Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. everybody, and welcome to episode 99 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Jennifer Jensen. Jennifer is from Bennington, Idaho, where she is an organic dairy farmer and a mom. Welcome, Jennifer. Hi. Well, it's great to have you here today, Jennifer. And you know, I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Well, it's maybe a long story, but I'll try and condense it as best. Well, we have an hour, so no need to condense it too much. (laughs) All right. Perfect. I am 42 years old for at least a couple more weeks, but I grew up on a dairy farm, actually, oddly enough, over on the other side of the state of Idaho. I have four children, and with each of my children, I actually had gestational diabetes. Oh, all four. I was very, very slender as a child. I could eat 
whatever I wanted. I could eat all day if I wanted to. I was the same way, by the way. I was that scrawny kid in every school photo. I was the like a beanpole. Yes, yes, that was me. My grandma always used to say, you know, if I turned and stuck my tongue out, I'd be a zipper. So, right. Anyway, so I was abnormal in that my parents allowed me to only eat till I was full. I realize now that that was odd because once I got married, and I'll get into that, but I would eat until I was full and I was done. And my mom had treats and whatever in the house. So it wasn't a big deal, I guess, that you could have it whenever you wanted. That's really great. You just, you grew up listening to your satiety signals and you could stop when you had enough. That's really how we want to raise all of our kids these days, but it's, it's hard, right? Yes. Yes. And I, I didn't appreciate it for what it was until I started intermittent fasting because I knew that's how I wanted to be, but my husband's family is definitely different. Ah, So I went to college, met my husband, and we got married 22 years ago. He is from a dairy farm as well. And awesome. We ended up buying the farm, and that is where we're raising our children. It's his family farm? It is. Oh, I love it. Now, were y'all both at school studying like agriculture type things? Yes. My husband was actually studying animal science, and I was studying horticulture, which I don't know that that turned out real well, but it was good. (laughs) (laughs) There probably weren't a lot of women in the program or were there? Not as much because it's more soils and plants. Right. But we got married. At the time I got married, I was 124 pounds, which was heavier than I was in high school. And how tall are you? I'm 5'7". Okay. So yeah, 124 is is really slim for someone who's 5'7". Yes. Yes. And I... I was okay with it, even though high school, you know, I was less than that, but I was fine with it. And then my husband has, there's nine of them in his family. And I came to a family mill and they actually, I only say this because it plays into it. They have a table that was built in the seventies and it has a lazy Susan on the top. So you spin it. Oh yeah. I could picture that from the seventies. Yes. So I sat down and that, that wheel spins fast when they're around. <laughs> they probably had to learn to eat fast so they could get what they, right? Because did the food yes. disappear because there were nine of them? Exactly. Actually, that is exactly the deal. And my husband is very much raised that you don't waste anything, food especially. Right. So I developed habits that I didn't, that weren't me, I guess, because I started to eat as much as he did, which is not what I actually needed. So right, that started it on the path. And then I became pregnant with my first child in 2000, and he was born in 2001, and developed the gestational diabetes. And I, I gained, you know, 20, 30 pounds, but after I had him, it was gone. It wasn't right. to be a big deal. In between my oldest two, I was in an accident with a team of horses and I broke my back and my left ankle. And it, I think any surgery or any traumatic event in your life, I think kind of affects you physically. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So I 
I didn't gain a ton of weight, but I knew that my body wasn't quite, I don't know where it was. And then I got pregnant with my second child and he, bless his heart, was rough on my body. I didn't move too much with him. I just sat all day. Yeah. I gained some weight and but I once I had him, I went back to how I had been. My third child, I couldn't get the weight to just leave. Right. So I started doing the exercise thing, right? That you do two hours a day and you Oh yeah. And it came off. I was never back to that 124 by any means, but I was about 140 and I thought that was okay. And then I had my last child. And what year was your last child born? He was born in 2010. Okay. I had a new doctor with him. And this doctor wanted me to go on the gestational diabetes medicine to see if we could not help him, you know, not have the low blood sugar when he was born. Right. So you wanted to prevent it this time instead of going through yes. the same thing. Yes. Well, and, the, and with the other three, I had just watched what I ate, you know, and just made sure that I wasn't eating sugar. And I tried. I tried to do that with toddlers, you know. How. Right. So he, it was rough on me, the medicine. I, I didn't get off the couch for months on end. My daughter was in kindergarten and bless her little heart. She would come home and kind of nudge me and I'd say, oh, hi, I'm glad you're home. And yeah, it is hard to be pregnant and have little tiny ones also. I can remember when I was pregnant with my second child, all I wanted to do was rest. Yes. <laughs> but my my um, my boys are 18 months apart. So my oh. um, my older son, I can remember lying on the couch and he's like trying to pry my eyelids open with his little precious little fingers. I'm like, please let mommy just lay here, please. You know, <laughs> they don't oh. want to hear it. No, I get it. The struggle it's is true. real. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> I, it was rough. I was having a lot of false labor, but he came four weeks early and was nine pounds Oh gosh, 12 ounces. So he was not my biggest, but he might, he would have been had. I oh goodness. Yeah. You, you had some big ones. <laughs> I did. I had way my, too big. My uh, second one was nine pounds, eight ounces, and he was two weeks early, but. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. So I, after he was born, you know, I, the weight definitely didn't come up, but I remember we had, were remodeling the house at the same time. Wow. Yeah. It was crazy. And I met with the sighting guy and I remember I stepped on the scale and I was like 163 pounds. And I thought at the time that that was pretty heavy for me. And that was while you were pregnant or? No, right after. Afterwards. Okay. Yep. Yeah, the day I the day before I had my last son, I was 193 pounds, and I thought, oh, that's that's getting right up there. Yeah. So I was I was 163 pounds, and I thought that is as heavy as I'm going to get. I'm I'm not gonna go more than that. But about a year after he was born, I had my best friend moved to North Carolina. So across the United States, there was a couple other things with the farm. So I had a few, I don't know, traumatic events, I guess, or the overall, just your stress level, I'm sure was really high also with four kids that were young. Yes. So the stress level was higher than with all this added and, 
And I, I just kept moving. And then another friend suggested going to a doctor about thyroid. She described the symptoms of thyroid, low thyroid. And so I went to the doctor and the doctor that I had used for my last son, he told me that I was perfectly normal. Oh, don't you love hearing that? Because you were you were tired, I bet. You just yes. didn't feel like yourself, but it was, quote, perfectly normal. You're fine. You're fine. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I just was like, no, I am not perfectly fine. So I went to another doctor and he did put me on thyroid medication. It didn't get rid of the symptoms. You know, I was still tired. I was still like my hair, losing my hair. I am odd because I am hot. Like I got really hot. My body temperature just stayed hot this whole time. So like you're like when you took your temperature, it was high. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I couldn't be in a room with people like, you know, just even at my house, my kids would complain because I'd have the AC so yeah. low because I was so hot. Because generally with hypothyroid, you find yourself like more cold. Exactly. Exactly. So my friend that had moved across the country, she actually struggled with thyroid too. And she had gone to a doctor back there and stuff. And anyway, in June of 2019, oh, 18, sorry, she called and said she was going to move back. And I celebrated and I hopped on an airplane and I actually drove and ski truck all the way back. Oh, you helped her move back from, from one side of the country to the other. Exactly. I was so excited. And I remember I was 170 pounds. And I don't know why that stuck in my head. but Well, I can do that too, though. I can remember what I wore, what I weighed, what size I was on these milestone events, which is kind of crazy when we think about it. But I get it. Like when you said 163 pounds, that's a number that I remember being 163 at a couple of points, and it just stands out. So I understand completely. You probably remember what what wardrobe you had at that time too, right? I do, actually. Yeah, that was my 170 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It just sticks in your head somehow. It does. So I drove her back, and she moved into the Utah area, so not to my back to my town. But it was better than, you know, across the country. And in June of 2019, she had convinced me to see a doctor in Salt Lake City. So this was the next June from 2018 to 2019? Okay. Yes. So June of 2019, she had told me that I really needed to go see this doctor. And I said, okay. I was not doing real well at this point. And by that, I mean mentally. The last seven years had taken its toll as far as depression and and just exhaustion. You're just right. so tired with thyroid and just lots of lots of factors in it. But I remember driving, it's about four hours for me. And I remember driving down there alone and I just thought this is the longest drive I have ever made, which is funny considering I had just driven across the United States. Right. Right. So I got down there and I talked to the doctor and he he actually gave me a glimmer of hope that I didn't have to be like this the rest of my life. And I, I held on to that little glimmer of hope. And the next month was rough. And he was trying to, you know, get my thyroid to level. It wasn't cooperating. Everything he tried, he said, oh, you are kind of weird. <laughs> 
say atypical. <laughs> yes, I was you were very, atypical. Yeah, I was very atypical. There you go. And then my friend, this dear friend of mine, called in July. And we had seen each other, right? Because now we could be, we were two and a half hours away from each other. And she said, hey, listen, I am doing intermittent fasting. And I said, well, tell me what it is. And she said, she told me in her window, I think was five hours at the time. And I just said to her, I said, I, there's no way, there's no way with my life and this crazy life that I live that that would fit in. And I guess to describe that, we milk cows in the morning and the night, and my kids get home from school at 4.30. So we eat in 30 minutes between 4.30 and 5. And my husband does work outside every day, and we have cold weather, and we still have a foot of snow on the ground, actually. So. Like right now, you still do. We're recording this in um, in March, so people that are hearing it later... But wow, still a foot of snow. Yeah. So he, and he's a big eater. I cook every day, at least two meals a day. You know, he has to eat to do his job. And, and I right. understood that. And, and she goes, it's okay. You don't have to. She goes, but I just, I, you know, I, I'm enjoying it. And so in, during this time, my oldest son had graduated from high school which was new experience. And he actually was going to a mission for our church. And so there was a lot going on and it was kind of, I mean, life-changing, you know, our family dynamic was changing. And anyway, September 25th, and I probably will always remember that day, I had talked to the doctor via phone call and I felt like my hope had left, you know, that little slim chance that things could change. He had tried so many things and nothing was working. And he was checking your like testing levels. What, what yes. was he going on? Yes. He was going off different thyroid levels, T3, or he was also testing your, I think I was okay in all the others, but like your progesterone, your so your hormones. He was taking a really comprehensive approach. Yes, he really was. And that's why that little bit of hope died. <laughs> Because I was just like, oh no, not even he can help me. So I got off the phone with him, had a good cry. And then I called this friend and I said, tell me about this again. Tell me about intermittent fasting again. And she said, I will, but I know something better. She goes, I want you to listen to this book. Delay, don't deny. So I was outside in my flower bed and I promptly came in and I I actually was on my treadmill and I listened to almost the whole book in, I think it was an hour and a half. (laughs) And I said, okay, this is it. Everything you said in the book resonated with my life. And I realized that I'm not, I was not a yo-yo dieter, but my mother has been my whole life. And I, and no offense to my mom or to belittle her, but I didn't want that for my right. daughter. You know, I didn't absolutely have that. And so I tried very hard not to do that, but I was like, there's got to be, there's got to be something. And everything you had said resonated with me. So I started that day and I, I told my friend, I said, there is no way I can do more than six hours. Like my, my eating window had to be at least six hours. And I did that for two days and I said to her, I said, what does she mean when you will listen to your body? Like, <laughs> so foreign. 
Because I was like, how? How is that possible that you can... Do you know what I mean? Because I had gone for seven years of feeling like my body had let me down in some ways because it was not acting like it had normally done. Well, and you prob- you lost connection to it. And I yes. think that is what, what is so typical for us. We lose those signals and then you start reconnecting to them and then you don't trust them fully. Like even the days when you're extra hungry, for example, like I had an extra hungry day yesterday. I opened my window at one o'clock and had two meals, which is not what I normally do, but I heard a different signal. I was hungrier and I wasn't like, man, I'm, I failed today. No. No. Yeah. That was, I think that was the greatest thing. I am, I tend to be OCD and a perfectionist. And I get it. I thought this is the thing that I can control in that I'm not failing if I don't make it my window or I'm not having to start over if I don't do it this many hours a day or do you know what I mean? that I, I do. And we hear that mindset from a lot of people that I think it's more typical from people who have been chronic dieters right. and the whole like starting over. You would start you know a diet and then you would fall off the wagon. These are all just very common phrases that that we as chronic dieters have used over and over. Well, I fell off the wagon and I'm starting over. And of course, Monday was the day you were going to start over. But with intermittent fasting, of course, we know it's not a diet. It's a pattern of eating. And you know what you eat is your diet, but we're we're having a pattern of eating. But you don't start over. You just have longer windows. You have shorter windows. You have longer fasts. You have shorter fasts. Exactly. Exactly. And I I started with the six hour. That lasted only two days because <laughs> I was sick to my stomach. And I told my friend, I said, I I don't know. I think I'll I'll shorten it. And then I had this is my crazy life. You know, I had a meeting. And they were feeding us at the meeting, right? Like at six o'clock at night. And I had I had started with like ten to five, you know that, and then I had shortened it to eleven to five anyway. And I thought, well, I'll just wait until the meeting to eat. So I went twenty four. That maybe was not the best start, but and this was really early days too, right? Yes, this was within the first week, and but I felt so good. Like I felt so good that I was like, you know what? This is possible. I can do this. So then I did the first two weeks. I had shortened it down to about a two to three hour window within that first two weeks because it felt good. So then my son, two weeks in, my son left. Off to college. Yeah. Well, off to this mission. Oh, the mission. He was, yeah. Okay. Doing his mission. And it was my first one, and I still don't oh, yeah. I cry on every single one, but it was pretty traumatic. But I remember after we had dropped him off, we were driving home, and I was sad. Don't like I still felt all the emotions, but I didn't sink down into that depression. Oh, that's good. That was like super light bulb moment for me. And I thought, oh my gosh, if this is what this gives me, I don't really care about the weight. I want my life back. I want to be me. Oh, I love that. So you were feeling like yourself, even though you hadn't really been doing intermittent fasting long, you felt a glimmer of your old self that you had lost. Exactly. And I that made that hope bloom right back up, you know, that I could have an answer. So we got home. 
And we had to finish up some farm work. And I don't know across in Georgia, but we had a very cold October. And it actually ended up getting negatives, which is wow. normal for us. But I went out into the tractor and I had to get this field done before I was digging it. And I put your book on again. <laughs> and so I listened to it again. And I on the tractor, I on it. the tractor. And I think it was better because I had absolutely no distractions. You know, I could just right. listen them. Anyway, I enjoyed it even more the second time and it just kept building that hope inside of me that I could do this. And my husband tries to be supportive. He he actually told me in on week three that he could tell a difference in my Oh, that's great. Yeah. So my mental health had improved that much by then. And I did. I lost weight. It was, you know, it was about a pound a week, pound and a half. You know what I mean? So it was right a healthy weight loss. So I was good with that, but I kept going and my kids noticed and I, I had listened to your podcast. And so I had talked to them that this was for me. It was as a mom and, and that it was okay. And, and they weren't, they don't need to do it. And none of my kids are heavy at all. They're all very slender and, and they're tall. I have very tall children. So, you know, time went on and I kept doing it. And my son, my second son was sitting at the table the one day and he just out of the blue looked up at me. He goes, are you going to do this forever? <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I looked at him and I said, you know what? I am. Actually. I love it. And you didn't even know probably until right that moment. It's true. It was when he said it, I was like, oh, yeah, he's, yeah, I am going to do it forever because I feel so much better. I mean, the weight is great, like I said, but I just feel better. I feel like me. I feel like I can handle situations because none of us, I think I had been trying to not isolate myself, but try and get rid of the stress in my life. Right. But that is actually not possible, unfortunately, you know? Yeah, but there there always will be the stress and you can't get rid of it. You just have to deal with it. Yes, exactly. In a different way. Like you can deal with it with a lot of negativity and with, you know, letting it get to you, or you can just accept what's happening as this is what is happening and it is happening. Easier said than done, right? But <laughs> but that is true. But I, for the first time, that is what intermittent fasting had given me is that I could work through the stress and I couldn't, I don't internalize it as much. I'm able to kind of let it go. So my friend has been doing it, um, has not had as much success as far as weight loss, but uh, we joke because uh, it's not a great joke, but she, you could be talking to her like at 8 p.m. and she would fall asleep talking to you. (laughs) She's not a night owl. No, no. And then she's been doing it, of course, longer than me since uh, July. But she, I called her the other day and she was cutting fabric and it was 9 p.m. And I said, what are you doing? <laughs> you got to pay attention when you're doing that stuff. And anyway, so it's helped her too in different ways. And that's what I love. It works for everybody. It might be a different way. Right. But it works for everybody. And that's the thing that makes the hope grow even more. My friend is, she's a quiet and, you know, she told me, but I am apparently loud because I 
told everybody. I love it. I think after the first week, we actually have a group of quilting ladies that go on retreat every year. And I called and talked to each one of them. And I said, I'm not telling you that you are fat. I am not. I am telling you that this will change your life for the better. See, I think that's so, that's huge. I mean, I love what you just said. It works for everyone. In the middle of telling the story about how your friend hasn't seen the weight loss she was hoping for. But I think that it's important for us to define the word works. You know, it's exactly. doing something healthy inside your body. You know, a few episodes ago, I interviewed a scientific researcher who studies longevity and health, and he said that intermittent fasting is the most powerful intervention that we can do. Wow. I know. Coming from someone who researches, you know, longevity and and healing and, you know, aging well, that that really struck me as powerful. You know, so to say, oh, intermittent fasting didn't work for me, because I've heard people say that. I'm like, well, you've got to redefine, you know, what what you mean by works. Exactly. Exactly. That was my, I guess, will be my main reason for continuing. With the gestational diabetes, I run the risk of developing diabetes. I've had great uncles. My parents are on the verge of diabetes. So for me, it was, I mean, not a life sentence, but it kind of is. And so that will be what I do forever, intermittent fasting, just because of that because I don't want that. So tell me about what's happened with your thyroid. You know, I was hoping by now that things would level out. Unfortunately, I've been doing okay. A couple of weeks ago, we changed the medicine around and it did not work at all. And I think the reason I haven't had a blood test, but I know now because of the intermittent fasting, I know very quickly if something is working or not, because my body just reacts very quick to it. Does that make sense? Like It does. You're just really a lot more in tune with how you feel and you can tell. Yes. Yes. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it will. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. 
so good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Eventually, I'll be off the medicine. I'm very hopeful for that. I think it will because I feel like it's changed from the beginning till now. I mean, it's only been five months, but I feel like it has, I have changed a little bit from that point. So I'm, I'm very hopeful. But the side effect of the thyroid of gaining weight, the emotional just roller coaster that I was on is gone. And so I can handle what I'm at right now, I guess. Right. Because the, the things that were really bothering you, the way you felt and the, the constant weight gain, I mean, that's, that's really something to have that under control is huge. Right. Well, and weight gain is a, it's a twofold thing in that mentally it is very hard on you and physically. I mean, of course, physically well, that's true. Very hard on you. So that if you eliminate those two, then you can deal with some of the other things a little bit easier. So how much weight have you lost overall? You said it's been five months. Yes, it's been five months. I I do the average like you Yay! Say, because it really you are right. I want to read yes. that. That is totally right. I am down 35 pounds. That's fabulous. So you've lost about a pound to a pound and a half a week, is what you said. Yeah, it was a little bit more in the beginning. And my oldest son, bless his little heart, he knew I was struggling and he's very, I'm not sensitive, but like he was aware of me. Like he, he knew if I was having a bad day kind of thing. And he would just tell me, mom, it's okay. It's just water weight. It's okay. It's okay. And that is a beautiful thing. You know, the first week it was gone. The puffiness. Yeah. The puffiness was gone. Mm -hmm. And so I did lose a little bit more in the beginning, but I feel like, you know, I'm just steadily about at least half a pound now. And so I'm okay with that. You see, I think that's important. The fact that you're, you know, calculating your weekly average or, you, you know, everybody use happy scale or another app that does that for you, but you absolutely have to keep your eye on what your trend is doing. Because honestly, the people who only weigh once a week or once every few weeks or every now and then you might get on the scale and it's five pounds higher than the last time you weighed. If you hadn't been keeping an eye on it, maybe that's just a crazy upswing because you're retaining water because you had pasta or something. Who knows what the reason might be, but you've got to know what the overall trend is doing. Are those weekly? I mean, those daily, those fluctuations, they can just really mess with your mind. Exactly. And I, I love your data thing. So that's what I do. I have a graph because I have a Samsung, so I don't have the happy scale. But happy scale, right. I noticed for as a female, I, this is something we deal with, but exactly that hormonal change in the month, mm-hmm. it would make it so that my weight was actually going up, you know, like daily. Right. But the average still went down and I lost inches instead of weight. Yep. So, which was crazy, but it, I can see that now. So like, I don't freak out when that comes around. I, 
I can get through it. I know that it's a temporary thing. I, it's going to be better on the other side. You know, my weight did a weird thing with that. I always calculated that as well. And I kept track of, of my cycle and all of that. My weight actually dropped during my cycle and then it would pop back up afterwards. So weird. My body did something weird with water. It was, it was, it's fluid weight. You know, we retain water, we eliminate water. It's the way our, you know, we were holding on to it. But I started to get used to that pattern. And then you're no longer like controlled by fear. You're like, well, I know what this is. Exactly. Exactly. That is, that is the best part of the data Mm -hmm. to help you enable you to get past that. Some people find that they might have a sudden weight upswing when they ovulate. And so they, they might not have known they were ovulating, but they start to recognize that pattern month after month. Like, whoop, there's my, there's my ovulation upswing or, you know, or whatever. But it, knowledge is power and having the data, you know, if you're the person, they're like, well, I was losing weight. I was, I was fine with the data. I was using it. It helped me a lot. The same with you. You're using the data. Yes. And you learn to not have your day made by it or, you know, had your, have your day ruined by it. Exactly. Exactly. You see the big picture. Yes. Yes. I had told everybody, I, I've had a lot more ask me about it, of course, now, cause they can see a difference in me, but the best part is I, I went to my son's school the other day and a teacher that I, I know really well, she taught my other children. She goes, I'm doing it. Oh, I love it. And I'm like, what? It like took me off guard. And I told her all about it, but it, you know, I didn't. And she's like, I'm doing it and I'm having success. And I said, that is awesome. There's really no better feeling. It's true. It's true. And I've been doing it for five months. About in January, we were actually in the closest town because we live out in the country, of course. And I was coming out of a wedding reception. And I only tell this to tell you the, the end part of it. My son called my, that was home and he said, there's a fire at the farm. Oh no. We were about, I mean, normally it takes about 10 minutes, but we got home in about four. So that was good. We, I called 911 and had the fire department come and it is a very small community. And we of course called the volunteer fireman ourselves and he came, but our calf shed, which is, it was only like 18 by 20 in size it was fully engulfed in flames. Oh no, were there were there calves inside? Unfortunately, yes. Aww. But my kids were home and my daughter is my calf feeder. So she loves these little animals so much. And she they ran out and grabbed they we have little hutches by this building. And she ran out and got the calves that were in those out, which was very good because they ended up melting. Oh gosh. And, you know, as a mom, you can understand this. I, my, my greatest fear was for my children. Right. And in that four minutes, it took me to see them. Like I needed to physically see them. I didn't get that panic that I can't function because I'm panicking mode. Does that make sense? That Yes. So I, I mean, I was upset. I was worried. I, ha- I felt the emotion, but I could function. I could drive very fast home. We got there, the fire department got there. It was a total loss. But, you know, I was able to comfort my children. I was able to not, you know, have a complete meltdown. I called meltdowns. So, this huge traumatic event, and I'm sure anybody that's listening that's had a fire can attest to it. You're 
your feeling of well-being and safety kind of goes away. Right. And I went to, I got the kids calmed down and we went to bed that night and I, I didn't sleep, which, you know. Oh yeah, I can imagine. And I think it's also, you had that adrenaline rush. Yes. When it's yes. going on and then you crash from that and then you're just like probably rethinking the whole thing, replaying it in your mind. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I was laying there and my stomach hurt. Oh, it just, it hurt. And probably about halfway through the night, I thought, you know what? Just go eat. It's okay. You know, like I'm not, nobody's telling me I can't eat. And right. Just, it's okay. And I, I waited and I kept thinking, it's okay, Jen. You're okay. You're not actually hungry. And morning came and I realized that I had conquered that. I knew that I had experienced it when my son left, you know, that first weekend after he was gone, I was like, I want to eat everything. I want to eat right. everything in this house. And I saw that I had attached it to my well-being. Food had become my well-being. Like I could be happy if I had food. So that was really a great moment as well, even though we had this fire. But it was it showed me that I was I was in control. I was able to deal with the things that had come at me. See, and I think that's a powerful moment because, you know, we're going through stressful times and you're able to realize that, gosh, food would soothe me. Yes. I mean, you, you were thinking that in the night. Food yes. would soothe me, but I'm not hungry. Yes, exactly. And I think that is, uh, you know, I feel like I'm going back to how I was as a child, you know, that I can eat until I'm full. And it doesn't bother me. Like I, my family still eats a lot. Right. They're working hard out there. <laughs> they are. And, you know, they can eat in front of me and it doesn't, it doesn't even bother me. I, that's also another great thing. People often say the same thing. They're like, you know, my kids, they're home, they're eating all day. What do I do? How do I get through this? And, you know, when someone is new and they're starting off, we're like, we promise you can get past that. It stops being a problem. You know, my husband is home right now working in the yard. He's going to want me to, when we get off this podcast, he's going to want me to make him something to eat. And I will. Yeah, that's, I still cook. I make them food. I, you know, because of my childhood, I don't force my kids. And I have one son that doesn't like breakfast. And and so I don't force him. I, I don't force him. Perfect. You know, I just want them to listen to them and kind of eat how they want. But yeah, it's a... I think that intermittent fasting, besides giving me this great hope, has given me back the ability to handle the different situations that are presented. I worried, like I said at first, that I wouldn't be able to handle it with our lifestyle. Right. Because weekends we eat earlier than we do on school days because, you know, the kids are home. And my husband milks in the morning and usually comes in for breakfast about 10. So he eats at a very different time of day than most normal people. I yep. get. And I told him, I said, hey, you could intermittent fast very easily. <laughs> and he keeps saying, no, no. I said, oh, I think you could. You could, yeah. <laughs> and he, ha- he actually suffers with the reflux and the heartburn. And I, one of your podcasts recently, she talked about not having to be on the medicine anymore. And so I told him and... I said, you could do this, but he is refraining from it. But I just easily move my window. I still try to get in, you know, the 20 hour fast, but 
I can easily move it forward or backwards. Does that make sense? That yeah. I still try to be consistent with how much my window is. And honestly, my body keeps me consistent with it at this point. I don't like to eat over three hours. I, I get it. Yeah. I don't feel good. You know, I've gone and done, of course, you know, you have meals, banquets, all these things. And I really, I still eat, but I don't really want to. But I just shortened that window that day so that I can have that. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Yeah, like yesterday I talked about how I opened my window earlier at about 1, but it still ended up being about a six-hour window, and I was like, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. I think your body does do that. You know, it just finally gets to that point. Some days, like if I open earlier, I usually end up shortening it, just not on purpose, not like, oops, it's been six hours, better stop now. It just, my I've had enough. Exactly, exactly. So I... I will be an intermittent faster for life. I realized that I, you talk a lot about the food and stuff. We don't eat out. I realized that we maybe are abnormal because, but we live out in the country and that is not really an option. Your, your meals, your table probably looks a lot more like, you know, maybe some of ours did when we were younger. Yes. Yes. Like, do you cook breakfast for your husband at 10 when he comes in? I do. I love that. See, I remember growing up, my grandmother and my mother, I've, I've talked about this before. She would give me like SpaghettiOs and a bowl of cereal. You know, but So my mother was not the cook. But when I would go to my grandmother's, they had, I don't know, 50 acres in South Carolina out in the country. And my grandfather was an architectural engineer. He was not a farmer, but he he hobby farmed. You know, he had um, on the weekends, he had a tractor and he would grow things. And But he came home for lunch every day. So she would have a full meal every, I mean, she made him breakfast every morning. Then he would come home from his job just, I guess, like your husband coming in from the field, my husband coming, or my grandfather coming home from his work and had a full sit-down lunch every day. Yeah. And then a full sit-down dinner every night. Yes. Well, I have kiboshed the dinner at night. (laughs) (laughs) 
I they can eat, you know, a cheese sandwich, a peanut butter honey. I don't care, but I don't do the big meal at night because I knew that about me before that I didn't like, you know, all that food at night. So you have your big meal is in the middle of the day? Is that Yeah, it's the four thirty. Okay. Is our big meal. And I do okay. breakfast for my kids before they go to school. They eat it or not. And then yes, my husband, I cook for him too. And he does have a very, you know, physical job. So he does need the calories. But yeah, our oh, yeah. our food is, you know, we raise our own meat. Of course, we have our own milk. You know what I mean? We we're coming from maybe more of a whole food standpoint just by default of where we live. And and that's just how you've always been. Yes. Yes. Do y'all also grow, do you grow anything as well? Or like you have a little home garden? I do. I have, I actually have, well, for here, especially I have a little greenhouse and grow my vegetables and we love cucumbers and tomatoes. And, you know, so we eat a lot of fresh. I always joke that I plant peas so that my children have a snack in the day because <laughs> they will just go in the, pea patch and eat all the peas. I never actually get any in the house. That's so funny. Just right out of the yard. They do. They just eat it right out of the yard, which is good. I like to see them eating well. Oh yeah. I'm hoping my husband plants some things for me this this year. You know, our old house where we just moved from last year, you know, he, he originally grew a few tomatoes for me, but we didn't really have a good spot. But this house has some different, you know, the the yard is different. I mean, we're very much in this in the city of Augusta, but I mean, you know, the suburban city, <laughs> it's a neighborhood, right. but I, I'm thinking he's going to be able to fit in some, to- there's nothing like a fresh tomato. Oh, they're so much better. <laughs> oh my gosh, they are. And then you just really don't even hardly want those things that, that are at the store. That is true. That is true. All right. So your husband eats at about 10 and then he eats at 4.30. Yes. So that makes sense. I mean, I would call that dinner. That's That would be a good dinner time for me. I actually, you know, probably the reason that I eat the time that I do, the reason I cook dinner at, to eat at around seven is because of my husband's work schedule. He has lab that he teaches a couple nights a week. So he doesn't get home till after 630 because he's teaching the chemistry lab. So I probably, I think I, I might enjoy a 430 dinner time more than 7 p.m., but it just happens because that's just, you know, we we cater to when our family wants to eat. Right. And that was my, when I told my friend that I couldn't do it, that was my biggest concern is that I didn't want to take away from the family, right? That I wanted to stay right. with them. I still wanted to be with them. That was our thing. That was the only time we were together, together. I mean, we're, we do chores together, but we're not, you know, sitting there together. And so that's what I loved about the intermittent fasting is that I could make it at that time. You know, in the future, maybe it will change depending on what, you know, if I don't have kids in school, maybe that will change the time, you know, when we eat, but it works and I'm able to deal with it. And so I think that's the beauty of it really. I bet, you know, that, that fits in really well also, because you said y'all have your evening chores after that, like after dinner, y'all go out. Do you help with the evening milking as well? Usually it's just the morning. And my husband was, he said, well, I can't intermittent fast because I won't have the energy. And I looked at him and I said, well, what do I? (laughs) You know, I used to get shaky and, you know, if I hadn't eaten in enough time and, you know, I used to, to do that and I have no problem. I can run after Mm -hmm. hours. I can, 
I can move. I and I I can still come in the house by ten, you know, and I still go till two, right? Before I eat, I it doesn't affect me at all. So I think he I've debunked his myth of not having the energy to do his job. But yeah. Yeah, once you shift from being a sugar burner running on your food to being a fat burner, you really do have the energy. And that's the part that people don't understand until they feel it. Exactly. It's true. If you have somebody who thinks they can't, if you're somebody who gets shaky, you really, that goes away for really, I've never heard anybody who didn't adjust eventually. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's things you can do as you're adjusting. You, know, you definitely, if you feel shaky, we want you to eat. But eventually your body will learn. You know, because think about ancient man out there, you know. Right. They weren't right. having hypoglycemia out in the wilderness. No, right. our bodies are designed to go and go and go. And by training ourselves to be sugar burners, our bodies forget. But then they, they could figure it out again. Exactly. And I seriously didn't struggle with that at all. That's fabulous. Because a lot of people do in early days, they do have that struggle right. where their bodies are not getting with the program yet. And, you know, I talk about in Delay, Don't Deny, and then again in Fast, Feast, Repeat, in the Fast Start section, the 28-day, you know, you can ease in, you know, if your body is having, having a struggle adjusting, you can start off by having a low-carb approach for meals and then gradually push back those low-carb meals until your body is learning how to burn the fat. Right. Exactly. It can happen. It can. <laughs> you know that it can, but I really do think that it's it's our natural state. It's how we're meant to be, and we can get back there. And I love that you recognize that it's really how you were as a child. You know, you stopped eating when you'd had enough. Right. Right. That's what I love. I love that it gave me back how I was, you know how my body wanted to be really. So do you still have, you still have some weight that you want to lose, but you're confident it's, it's going to slowly get there. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I think I'd like to lose at least maybe five to 10 more pounds. I really just want to go down another size. You know, that's more of my gauge. Right. But I, I just think I will feel even that much better. I had that accident that I said that I broke my back and it does, seriously affect me when I have the weight. And so I think just even a little bit more than my, and my back has, I mean, that's a huge non-scale victory. I was getting up in the morning and not able to put my socks on. Oh gosh. Because it had gotten so bad. And now I hop out of bed easily. I mean, it's, so my back is doing so much better that another reason to keep doing it, but yeah. That's huge. You know, just the, the kind of losing that stiffness and the pain. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So huge. Yeah. Why would we ever stop? <laughs> we exactly. Sometimes people ask, they'll say, you know, if I quit, will I gain back all the weight? And I'm like, why would you quit? First of all, why? Yeah. Even if I did start gaining weight, I wouldn't quit. Right. Cause I feel good. I, right. I feel so much better that no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't quit at all. Exactly. Well, we are, are coming to the end of our time together. So what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Well, I, I've thought a lot about this question. I realized that my personality was a all or nothing and I was going to do this and, and maybe not everybody has that, but I would say that it gives you that hope that you're looking for. It gives you back that that glimmer of life can be better than what it is at the moment and that it does work. 
It might work differently for you than for me, but it does work. And it will translate every aspect of your life. You know, every part of your life will become better just from this. I think that's true. It it changes us in so many ways. And, you know, I've said, I wish I could go back and, and give this gift to my young self, you know, to prevent all those years of struggle. But then again, you know, all those years of struggle make me appreciate the now. And and that is true. And I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I, I mean, it's hard to struggle for that long, seven years, but I totally can recognize the difference and embrace it and hold on to it. If we'd never had the struggle, we might not appreciate, I'm, I'm sure we wouldn't. It's true. We wouldn't. We wouldn't know the difference between it. So yes, I, I will do it forever. I'm grateful that I found it at this point in my life so that I can move forward and live a very healthy life. And it is, it's never too late for us, right? Never too it's late true. to start. It is true. It is never too late. Well, Jennifer, I enjoyed talking to you today, and I hope that snow gets off the ground soon for (laughs) y'all. Thank you. (laughs) And I will look forward to hearing more from you later and let us know how you're doing. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com, and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.